I would definitely go into the halls of power and say, we need a guaranteed livable income. That is something that is, that's like really deep for me because I think it opens up people to so many more opportunities. Welcome to the Ballot Box, featuring Austin Mullins. Welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. My name is Christopher Brown, and we are entering the Ballot Box, a regular segment on our show where we talk about the biggest unknown political story of this year, which is the federal election. We are sitting down with candidates from across Alberta, around Canada, and even here in the great city of Calgary. Today's uh, candidate that is on the show and in the ballot box is Green Party of Canada's candidate for Calgary Centre, Mr. Austin Mullins. Austin, thank you so much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So, Austin, I'm going to ask the question that you've been asked before, but I'm going to ask it again. Where does your duty to serve come from? I was thinking, I, I remember that you asked me this last time and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if these answers are going to match up. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's changed in the last year. Um, but I think it really comes from my family. Um, my mom had me when she was 17. So you can imagine that that uh, upbringing was definitely uh, not as a normal one as most people have. Um, and I definitely have witnessed a lot of, I would say, unnecessary suffering. Um you know, every time I would complain about something, someone in my family would quip up and say, oh, you know, life isn't fair. Um, and I remember that didn't never sat well with me um, because you don't have to dig too deep or look too far to know that there are people that have the power and the resources to make sure that everything is fair for everyone and everyone has equal opportunity and success. Um, and so I think my duty to serve comes from wanting to be that voice that we don't often see in politics um, coming from nothing and so much struggle, I would say, um, and representing that voice in the halls of power. Now you have, as I said in my introduction, you have decided to put your name forward for Calgary Center for the Green Party of Canada. Uh, To kick off the actual fun part of the interview for me, I've got to ask the question, in your own words, describe what the Green Party of Canada is. Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, for me, I think the Green Party represents its grassroots, first of all. I think I'm, I was always attracted to the Green Party because it's smaller. Um, and I think we represent, you know, it's evidence-based policy. It's what works. It's not um, purely ideological-based, you know. Um, and of course, we are at the Green Party, so we care a lot about the climate and the environment. And I think without... Um, you know, action to revert the climate crisis, none of the other issues really matter because if we don't have a livable planet, then, you know, we don't have a livable planet. Um, So I think the Green Party representing the base issue for me, plus evidence-based policy on everything else that matters to Canadians and being small and grassroots and listening to the voices from the very bottom, um, that's what's really important to me. And that's why I was attracted to the Green Party. And I think that's what the Green Party still is and what I'm fighting to keep the Green Party as. Um, and that's what it means to me. Now, um, the Green Party of Canada has two elected uh, uh, MPs right now. You are hoping to add to that uh, electoral success. 
What are you hearing at the doors in Calgary Centre to give you a little bit of a boost in your step to say, you know what, people are looking for that change and they're looking at the Green Party now today for that potential change to cast their vote in the next upcoming election, the 44th general election, to say, hey, let's send a Green representative to Cal- uh, to Ottawa. Right. Um, so I think everyone knows that the Green Party is the party for climate and environment. And I think what really puts that kick in my step and when I go to the door and I hear someone talk about something that we also have offered in our platform that maybe people don't know so much about. Um, and I think a lot of those issues, we've, I would say, let's say we failed in the past to communicate the full breadth of our platform because we're very climate, we're very environment, but we do have policy on just about everything. Um, and I would say... You know, people have told me that they want universal child care. They want uh, to publicize long-term care homes. Um, you know, they want, uh, I've heard even people say like a guaranteed livable income because there are a lot of people talking about that in the Liberal Party now because they passed it at their convention. And so seeing all of these green policies that we've been talking about for a long time being talked about in the wider political sphere has really kind of put a kick in my step because I know I can leverage that and take that to the door and say, we've been fighting for this for a long time. Um, and we are, you know, uniquely positioned to continue to fight for it in Ottawa. Now you, you talked about policies that the party has put forward, which is great. And we'll dive a little mm-hmm. bit more into details about those three universal childcare, long-term uh, health and livable income. But I want to talk about Calgary center to start with, because that is the writing that you want to represent. What are the issues that you are hearing at the doors when it comes to writing specific issues? Is it that universal child care? Is it long-term? Is it livable income? Is it transit? What are the issues that the people of Calgary Centre are bringing to you that aren't on your policy that you go, hey, I want to talk about that because you want to talk about that? Right. Um, I think a big one and one that I'm really passionate about and working on right now is uh, harm reduction, safe supply, um, decriminalization, you know, the Sheldon Schumer site, Uh, recently, you know, being defunded. Um, And, you know, we have a provincial government that I think is not the most um, caring and compassionate towards people who are suffering. (laughs) I'll say it. Just a Um, little. (laughs) um, And that's really important to me because a lot of the family issues that I talked about earlier, you know, a lot of people in my family suffered from opioid addiction. And my uncle recently um, passed away just a few weeks ago from the same issue. Um, so it's really important to me. And I have heard people mention it. Um, we had uh, an EDA relaunch for the Calgary Center Greens um, and two people mentioned it as their you know, top issue. Like we need to be loud on this um, and make a stance and hold the, you know, every level of government accountable because harm reduction and safe supply is becoming a bigger issue. Um, you know, somewhere around 2000 people died in 2020 from um, opioid addiction and overdose. Um, And so I think we really need to start holding more people accountable to that and get it more, you know, in the dialogue for federal politics as well, because I think the federal government does have a role in that, especially in decriminalization. Um, One of the big things that uh, has been on the tops of everyone's mind over the last 18 months has been Uh, COVID-19. All across Canada, it is an issue that people are facing with, whether it be reduction in hours because of COVID-19 slowing down work, whether it be the closure of the restaurant and tourism industry because of COVID-19 and people aren't coming, whether it be being laid off because companies have no, no need for people right now because they are closed. 
Is this an issue and is unemployment a big issue that is facing the people of Calgary Centre? Because you talk to people across Calgary and you hear, I've lost my job because of COVID-19. Are you hearing that at the door? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And I think it's related to the the ones I mentioned earlier, especially for universal childcare. You know, that is a big barrier for a lot of people to getting back into the workforce, um, especially women. You know, we've seen in the COVID-19 pandemic that we're facing what some economists are calling the she session. You know, there's kind of a, a disparity between men and women getting back into the workforce because of issues of childcare. Um, so I think the that is an important one. Um, and I, and myself, even I've had a, a hard time finding a job. Um, you know, I only work part-time right now. My hours are reduced. I get sent home early all the time. Um, so I think it is really difficult and I only work as a barista, you know, I'm not a fancy lawyer or what most people expect a politician to be. <laughs> um, but even I, myself, I'm struggling. So I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm living it and I'm seeing it and I'm hearing it at the door that people are struggling and they want, you know, a path forward out of the pandemic. Um, and I think what I mentioned, universal childcare, guaranteed livable income are two really big uh, policy planks that can help people in Calgary Center and beyond. While, while universal uh, livable, in- or livable income, basic livable income is not a law of the land right now, uh, the federal government has introduced this uh, CERB and CRB, which is the Canadian Employment right. Recovery Benefit and the Canadian Recovery Benefit. This is for small business uh, independent owners. Uh, earlier this right. month, uh, Annamie Paul, the leader of the Green Party, came out and said that Justin Trudeau needs to extend CERB, needs to extend right. it because people are still struggling. Are you hearing right. from small business owners or independent uh, business owners who are saying, yes, we need it extended because while we are still struggling, we, we are trying to find jobs. The jobs just aren't there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have heard even from my own boss that he feels that if we kept those programs going, it'd be easier for him to retain his employees because they would feel more comfortable in their job security. Um, so, you know, that's one voice, but um, you know, and I think people have been saying that CERB has caused people to, you know, just sit at home and not want to go back to work. But CERB ended in fall of 2020, and now we're in July of 2021. <laughs> so I don't think CERB has really had an effect on, um, you know, people's employment kind of mindset now, almost a year later. Um, you know, Anime Paul has, you know, throughout the pandemic said we need to continue these supports. We need to even up them um, and transition the CERB into a guaranteed livable income. Um, and I think it's possible. It's so possible and it would be so beneficial to so many people. Um, and a lot of people think of these programs as, you know, very in the same economic mindset that we've always been in, where it's about getting people, you know, back to work. But I think there are other ways of work that are also valuable in society that we need to put more emphasis on, you know, if people can be paid to make art or people can be made to ensure local food security in their communities, um, I think those are just as important as having a robust workforce and a guaranteed livable income would help us get there. Uh, and I completely understand that. I, I know people who have used CERB, who have used, who are still using CRB because mm-hmm. they're they're struggling and they're trying to find that job. And I want to jump into that uh, universal childcare. Um, right. The federal government has come out with their plan for universal childcare. While it's not universal, right. it is hey. $10 a day, uh, a daycare for anyone who, any province who wants to sign on and the federal government will match it. Um, right. 
this goes a little bit to that extent to getting people back to work and getting people mm-hmm. proper adequate health, uh, daycare for their children. Would you like to see the federal government? And I, I know you're green and they're liberals and it's probably going to be hard to convince them to do something that they don't want to do or convince them to even try to do something. But do you want to see them go even further with this? Because while $10 a day is great, people are struggling right now. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'll credit where credit is due. I think the $10 a day is a really good start, um, even in just, you know, the way people respond to certain policy and how people react to it. It's a good way to kind of step into it and say, this is working. We have evidence that this is working and getting people back into the workforce. Um, and so I welcome it, you know, the $10 a day because it will give more wind in the sails to even going even further and giving it, making it uh, universal for everyone. Um, and I think it's possible, you know, there are liberal MPs who support a guaranteed livable income and there are liberal MPs who support universal childcare going all the way. So I think with the political will and the evidence that it will work, it'll happen. Oh, I want to turn to the party now. I want to turn to the party because I love talking about policy, but I, I am cautious of time and I want to make sure that we get in all of our questions. Yeah, the course. Green Party. uh is a party, like you said, they have great policies, but they are identified usually as the green party, the, Hey, we are the environment party in your own words. What is the biggest misconception about the green party that you would like to address? And I'd like to tell the people who are listening to this and to the uh, voters of Calgary center that, Hey, you might think the green party is this, but we're actually not. Right. So I think the biggest one is a lot of people think that we are the colloquial Tories on bicycles. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of conservatives who like to garden or conservatives who really care about the environment. And I think we do have those people because we are, I would say, a big tent party where we bring everyone who cares about the environment and cares about climate change. But I think, especially for me and all the Greens that I work with, we are a solidly leftist party. You know, I'm an eco-socialist. All the Greens I work closely with identify as an eco-socialist. Um, and we are on the solid left of this political spectrum. And we're fighting the same fight that, you know, the NDP is fighting. Um, and, you know, we have these buzzwords like fiscal responsibility that I think kind of throw people off. Um, and we still, you know, that is a value of fiscal responsibility, but fiscal responsability doesn't mean fiscal austerity. <laughs> and I think so I got to follow up too. with that because yeah. every time a politician uses the word fiscal responsibility, the first thing I think yeah. is, what are they talking about? Well, like, what right. does fiscal responsibility mean to you, the candidate for Calgary right. Center? Because I would love to know, and I, I ask this to everyone who, who has it on their website or even mentions the word fiscal responsibility, what does right. it mean? For me, it means that, you know, we have all these really expensive policies like universal child care, guaranteed livable income, you know, universal pharma care, dental care, national mental health strategy. These are all like big ticket expensive policies, but they match with, you know, a wealth tax, you know, um, tax on e-commerce corporations, you know, higher taxes across the board for corporations, no more uh, handouts for corporations or uh, tax breaks for large corporations. You know, it comes, if we're going to spend all this money to ensure that people are, have all the tools they need to succeed, then we also need to have the money to spend it. And I, and I think fiscal responsibility is, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to drive us into huge debt. So we're going to balance it with 
wealth tax and all these other policies to bring that income in. One of the biggest misconceptions, I, I wouldn't say misconceptions, but one of the biggest things that you have to overcome in this election, and we'll talk about the election here soon, but one of the biggest things that you might have to overcome in this election is the Green Party, and I'm saying this as the devil's advocate here because I want to hear what you sure. have to say about this. The Green Party is anti-oil. The Green Party is anti-Alberta because they want to keep our oil in the ground and the workers are going to lose their jobs if we elect the Green Party. What do you say to those people who are saying that the Green Party is going to destroy, and I'm using it again, using their words, I'm not saying yeah, no, this I get as it. myself, <laughs> but the Green Party would destroy Alberta's economy if elected. I would say that I feel for that that sentiment because, and I'm going to be 100% honest here, I felt that Greens in Alberta are often not served as well as Greens in, say, urban centers like Vancouver or Toronto in the way that our platform is communicated. Um, and I've griped about that for a couple of years now. And, you know, our, our platform in the past has always been to speak to those people in urban centers and not so much to the people in Alberta. Um, and, you know, I think our platform does have what we call the just transition, you know, where we, you know, if we're going to end oil, then we're also going to put all these programs in place to ensure that the workers and the people who depend on those industries are taken care of and that they can transition to renewable energy sources. Um, but I feel for it because I, I myself don't see a strong enough platform to address those concerns in our, you know, party platform, but it is something that I've been fighting for and asking for from our leadership. And, and this goes back to the idea that you mentioned when you talked about what the Green Party is, in your opinion, in your own words, right. of a grassroots uh, party, right? You talked about right. how it is a grassroots party. And mm -hmm. what you're saying is, is, is being heard at the party level and hopefully will be changing this election because you do have yeah. a new leader. Um, I want to, I just want to mention for my listeners and to the viewers, uh, when I had Annamie Paul, the, the candidate for the Green Party leadership back in uh, 2020, I feel like this year has completely <laughs> just not sure what day <laughs> it is. ago. <laughs> exactly. Um, she did say that her brother works in the oil and gas industry, yeah. so she does not want to see him unemployed. So uh, and I, right. I say that just because I want to clarify that she has been on the show and she did mention that she does support transition from the oil and gas industry. But thank you, Austin, for your own opinion on that. Um, right. I want to talk about the 44th general election here. The sure. big <laughs> elephant in the room. You yes. are basically you have you were acclaimed last Tuesday or last Wednesday, mm -hmm. sorry, as the candidate. You are now in a state of eternal campaigning until an election drop. This is yes. going to be challenging because in Calgary, there is a municipal election going on. How have you had to change your campaign methods and campaign ways Due to the, the unknown certainty of when a campaign is going to happen, COVID-19, and also the municipal election. Right. Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing is having a timeline. Not having a timeline is very difficult because it's hard to say we're going to do this at this time and this at this time, really space ourselves out and have a, a you know, a concrete strategy going uh, forward. 
Um, so that's been very difficult to plan, you know, motivating people because it's summertime and everyone is, you know, stressed about the, you know, climate anxiety and, you know, the wildfires in BC. It's been really difficult to get people like motivated to want to, you know, step up for these issues and volunteer. Um, and, you know, the Green Party, of course, especially in Alberta, is a very small party. We have very limited resources. So making decisions on how to leverage our very limited resources for the best possible impact without knowing when the election might be is very difficult because we could spend all this money and then, you know, maybe Trudeau decides to call an election next year. And you know that would be very frustrating and very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I want to talk about Calgary Centre. You are currently represented by a Conservative MP. Um, yeah. Are you hearing things at the door that makes you think, okay, he has not been representing Calgary Centre to the best of his ability. He is bringing the word of Aaron O'Toole to the riding and not the the uh, word of the riding to Ottawa or Aaron O'Toole. What are you hearing about the current MP that makes you think, you know what, people are looking for that change now because they, he has not been addressing these issues? Um, so I think maybe even the opposite of that is that I've not heard one person even mention him. And I think that's even worse than people, <laughs> you know, I haven't heard people say anything about him. And I think that maybe shows that there's sort of a, a lack of a presence or he's not as known, which makes sense because he was first elected in 2019 and we've only had, you know, it hasn't been very long since he's been our MP. Um, but, you know, I haven't heard any, anyone say anything about him, but what I have heard is people mentioning a lot of policy that I don't think that the conservatives have ever offered. So people are saying, we want this, we want that. And I've never kind of heard that commitment from conservatives. So it, it's really beneficial to me because I can say, well, you know, we've offered this and other parties have offered this, but our current uh, MP has not offered this. Um, yeah, I think just just in the fact that I haven't heard anyone mention him is yeah, I now, think you, speaks for itself. Uh, candidates like yourself are political observers. You watch politics mm -hmm. and some might not, but I, I feel like I can adequately say and honestly say that you are a political observer, whether it be here in Alberta or in Canada. Um, if you had the chance to be in Greg McLean, the current MP's uh, uh MP for Calgary Center's seat, what would you have done differently over the last two and a half years since 2019 if you were elected in Calgary Center? Because he's had to make some decisions that, yet again, might go against the people of Calgary Center. But what would you have done differently to represent your constituents a little bit better if you were elected in 2019? I think I would be, you know, just as loud on all the things that I've mentioned so far in the interview, you know especially on the post-pandemic recovery and making sure that everyone has the tools as we come out of the pandemic to succeed. Um, and I would just, I would be extremely loud and I would make sure people know that there's someone in the halls of power saying, you are going to be fine. We're going to get you out of this. Um, and we're going to, you know, fight for things like a guaranteed livable income and universal childcare so that when we get out of the pandemic, you don't have to worry about those day-to-day -day things that are so difficult for so many people. Now, I, I would usually ask this question knowing the date of an election, but as we've mentioned in this interview and on many interviews that I've done, we do not know when right. this federal election is going to be held. So I need you to put your time machine hat on and put yourself the day after the election. Day after the election, 
What is priority one for the Austin Mullins MP? Because you are now the newly elected MP for Calgary Center. What is priority number one? Ooh, that is that is a difficult one. I think it keeps coming back. So I think I would definitely go into the halls of power and say we need a guaranteed livable income. That is something that is that's like really deep for me because I think it opens up people to so many more opportunities and you know, especially in mental health and other areas. So I think priority number one would be for me to go in there and just be loud and say we need to transition all the supports that we had during the pandemic into a guaranteed livable income so that we can move forward um, as a country and you know especially and it would definitely help people um, in calgary center and then i think priority number one would be to just listen to people in calgary center and say okay i'm your mp i'm new i'm the first green mp in alberta hopefully <laughs> what can i do for you in calgary center and what can i do for alberta that's going to best serve you um if elected you will have to represent all constituents and some yeah. constituents may completely disagree with you, but you will have to deal with them. Right. Explain to me how you have represent, how you have addressed concerns from people that may disagree with you in a way that would make Calgary center people feel while we have a green MP, I still feel like he's still representing me, even though I didn't vote for him. Um, so I think the biggest one is that the Green Party of Canada in our constitution, we don't whip our votes. Um, so every Green MP is free to represent their writing uh, in the House of Commons before the party. So if ever something came up that I felt maybe was green policy or was policy of the day that I felt didn't serve Calgary Centre appropriately, I wouldn't have to vote for that and I would have the freedom to do that. Um, I also think what I mentioned earlier where I've been very openly um, critis critical of our platform in the ways that it, you know, fails to address the concerns of Alberta. And I think what that means in a majority voting conservative province is that it fails to address the concerns of conservative voters. Um, and so I've been very critical of that. Um, and I, I do, I, I hear those concerns that they have. And I think I, you know, the messaging that you have when you're trying to get elected and the messaging you have once you get elected is very different. So I think it is very possible to transition as an MP to a more neutral stance and say, yes, I believe in these core things because I am a green, but I have, you know, I have the capacity to change my mind, to listen and learn and, you know, represent what I think is best for Calgary Centre based on what I'm hearing as we go. Sometimes you will have to vote your conscience. And I, I say that yeah. with all respect, because sometimes your constituents may want one thing, but it, at the deep down in your heart, you may believe right. another thing. In that situation, how do you address the back and forth, the pull between representing your people and representing right. what you believe in? Because I, I, I understand that they're not with votes. You can vote your conscience, right. but at the same time, right. sometimes Let's be honest. And I take this as, as in all sincerity because C6 has been the big topic on a lot of people's discussion. The, the, right. uh, the, uh, I forget the name of the bill, but it's the uh, conversion therapy bill. Some people right. do not agree with that. There are some writings in this province who are strongly against that. I'm assuming you are for this bill because conversion therapy is a 
barbaric tool and I do not know, understand what's still happening. In that situation, yeah. I know uh, Greg, I believe, voted for it. How do yes. you balance that where you say, okay, I, I understand you guys don't want this, but I have to vote for it because it is the ethical thing to do. Right. So I think I'll, I'll step back and say on, on issues like that, where it's about human rights and like the dignity of human beings, I think there is no room for a debate or argument. You know, I'm standing up and saying, I support human rights. I support queer people, you know, women's rights, you know, anti-racism, anti-discrimination and indigenous reconciliation. Um, so I don't think there would ever be a situation where I would get elected and have a majority of people in my writing disagree with all of those things because I am standing up for those wholeheartedly and there's no room for debate. Um, so I think on on if anything like that ever came up and I was the MP, then I would it would pretty much be this is how I'm voting. This is what I believe in. That's the end of it. <laughs> I want to I, I want to mention I want to ask you something because you brought it up and yet again this is the great thing about these interviews I let the guests uh, dictate the where we're going in the interview, but sure. Aboriginal Indigenous issues have been a uh, a issue that has been on the talk of everyone's mind the top of everyone's mind right. and the words that are coming out of every politician's mouth. Where does your party stand on residential school? Uh, uh, I don't want to say res on residential schools because I'm assuming you were against them and you think they are genocide, but um, yes. how we have to better implement the truth and reconciliation uh, mandate, but also how do you, how does your party stand on working with our indigenous uh, neighbors to better address their needs and wants? Um, yeah. So the green party has always uh, advocated for, you know, implementing UNDRIP into federal law, which has happened, which is great. Um, and then, of course, for those who don't know, that is the that is the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. Continue. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's OK. Um, and then, of course, you know, prioritizing all 93 calls to actions from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, you know, following through on the recommendations of the, you know, murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls report. Um, all these things are, I would say, like they seem very big and very kind of um, substantial, but I think they're honestly, they are their bare minimum. Um, and are a people lot of talking about it at the door? Um, I haven't heard it so far. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people are experiencing, it's hard for people to find the capacity to, you know, think about something that they're not directly experiencing when they're experiencing, you know, day-to-day -day struggles. Like how do I find childcare? How do I, you know, get back into the workforce? How do I pay for my tuition? Things like that, you know? Um, so I think we have to keep talking about it to keep it in people's minds. Um, and I absolutely will, you know, I, I recognize that I am white. So, you know, it is my responsibility to keep this conversation going and to advocate for the right um, people and to, you know, uplift those voices that need to be uplifted. Um, but I think the Green Party platform, all throughout the platform, we mention, you know, indigenous consultation, where self-determination is the key, um, where they get to decide what works for them and it can't be dictated to them. Um, and I, and I, I would follow through with that. No. And uh, for my listeners and to my the people who, have to, who are tuning into the live stream, I want to thank uh, Austin Mullins for tuning in, uh, for not tuning in, for being our guest on the show today. He's the Calgary Centre Green Party of Canada candidate. Uh, I, I want to talk about you now for a second 
How do you, uh, not how do you, I want to ask this question. (laughs) Why should you be the next MP, member of parliament, for the riding of Calgary Centre? I think I represent something new and fresh that we don't see often in politics. Um, You know, I'm 23. I'm queer. I come from a very poor family. Um, And, you know, those things are pretty much the opposite of what we see typically in politics. And I think for me to be able to represent, you know, a downtown urban center in the halls of power and say, you know, we exist, these voices exist, and we need support for them. I think that would be really important. And it's not so much about me, but what I represent, which I think, you know, is the future, where we need more voices who actually have a stake in the future, especially for climate change and, you know, reconciliation and all of these things that we want to see as we move forward. Um, So I think I represent sort of the future that we're all moving towards, but we're not getting there as quickly because we don't have enough of the voices that have a real stake in that future in the halls of power. Now, in order to be the successful candidate in X election, because yet again, we don't know when that election is going to be, Justin Trudeau, please just drop the election date. We would be all happy (laughs) if we can do that. That'd be greatly appreciated. Um, Uh But in order to do that, you need volunteers. You need people to come out and help you. So how can people learn a little bit more about you? How can people get involved in your campaign? Because I want to take that moment and I let everyone say this, but how do people get in contact and get involved? Um, Yeah, so I think the the platform I'm most active on is Twitter. So my handle is... Austjer Mullins, A-U-S-J-E-R Mullins. Um, you can go on there, follow me. Um, that's where I'm most active and the loudest and, you know, always commenting on, you know, issues of the day and giving updates about my <laughs> campaign. Um, and then also email me, austin.mullins at greenparty.ca. Um, that's probably the most direct way to get in contact with me. Um, and you can also just go to the Green Party website and sign up to volunteer and no matter where you, if you, you know, as long as you put in your postal code, it'll send an email right to me and then I can get in contact with you. Uh, for my listeners and to my viewers, uh, the links to Austin's email, the Green Party website, his Twitter account. And yes, he did not mention it, but I'm going to throw it out there. Twitter, uh, Instagram and Facebook as well are in the show notes. They are in the show notes on the YouTube version of the show and in the audio version that will be released. Well, for that will be tomorrow but it will be today when you're listening to this if you're listening to it um so if you haven't already go in check it out i i highly recommend that you get involved uh this election while this is the most journalist thing to say about any election is an important election is the election about the future of our uh, country but get involved austin i want to thank you uh for sitting down and doing this this has been fun it's been enlightening and it's always great to hear from candidates themselves in a one-on-one setting because i know as much as you want to door knock on every door it's probably going to be hard during (laughs) the pandemic (laughs) yes that that is true that's another challenge for sure yeah well everyone having me on yeah, thank you so much again, once again, and uh, to my listeners and to my viewers, yet again, all the links will be in the show notes. Please check them out and uh, hit the subscribe button. I, I keep on forgetting to say this, but hit the subscribe button on our show as well, because you want to follow us as well. Uh, we will be back on Thursday for another live episode with another candidate for in Calgary Center. So Austin, thank you so much once again, and greatly appreciate it. Thank you. 
The Ballot Box is part of the Cross-Border Interview Podcast and is produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated.